podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver. And as usual, we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. How are you guys doing out there? I'm doing great. We have an incredible guest today. Her name is Allison Gannon. And she's a medium. She talks to the other side and a lot more. And we're going to find out about that in just a second. But first, I need you all to do something for me. I need you to go to Instagram because this is the 21st century. We don't have flying cars, but we have Instagram. And I need you to follow me there at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. Go there. Follow me. Check out what we're about. It's how it spreads. It it, it goes into their algorithm and they put me in all these places based on how cool you are. So. Follow me there. We're on Spotify. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If there's a button there that says follow, please follow us. Again, that's how we spread it more. And the most important thing is, of course, please, please, please tell a friend. Because without you telling them, without you letting them know, It just takes more time, more time for them to find out. And time's going so fast. And we just, we need to grow this audience. All these guests, they've generously given us so much, just like Allison is. They've generously given us this. So we've got to get it out to more people. So tell a friend, midnightonearth.com. And now that that is done, I'm going to read you a bio that I have. For Allison Gannon. Allison Gannon is an experienced and gifted medium who maintains a private practice in Southern California. Working with clients from around the world, she provides intuitive guidance on personal and business matters. Connecting clients with their departed loved ones is her passion. Allison also enjoys teaching students how to develop their own intuitive abilities. A leading-edge spiritual entrepreneur, Allison is the founder of the Center for Mediumship, a heart-centered facility for psychic and mediumistic development. She teaches classes including mediumship, intuition, animal communication, and brings acclaimed mediums to teach on various metaphysical topics. Allison is also the founder of a psychic investigation group, which we're going to hear all about, where her team tunes in to unsolved cases. And a part of her life is also being a part of Psychic Portland and the Signs of Hope and Spirit. And the Center for Mediumship is a heart-centered community of spiritual leaders offering classes in psychic and mediumship development. Hello, Allison. How are we doing today? Hi, Jake. How are you? I'm so glad you're here with us. There's so much we're going to learn from you. All about. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) Well, you know, 
I felt it right away. Is when I first connected with what you had online, I knew you were somebody that needed to be on the podcast because I just felt it. And and it turns out that feeling was correct. You got to trust your intuitive ability, right? That's that's something Absolutely. that you teach people. So I want to know everything about your life before we talk about your career. I just want to know about you as a person. You know, you're this human being. You have this gift. But first, you had to figure out what that gift was and what that even meant. So yes, at what point in your life did you notice that you had these intuitive gifts and it was beyond just normal everyday life, that somehow it was a little bit extra? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think as a young girl, um, I would be in an empty room, but I would feel the presence of others. And um, that was a little bit scary um, because I wasn't quite sure what the experience was. And so um, growing up, um, I was afraid. Um, I was afraid to be alone. Um, And so I always sought uh, company of my mom, my dad, my grandma. Um, And so, um, but what was happening was I was was, um, feeling the spirit world. And, um, but I didn't understand that. And so it was just something that scared me. So you feel um, like so that, that was early on? Like, are, are we talking like three yes. to five or where are we at with that? That was as early as I can remember because oh, wow. I never, even though I had my own bedroom in my own bed, I never once slept by myself in my bedroom. I would always crawl in with my grandma every single night because there was no way I was going to be in that room with beans and things. And I'm sure you tried to communicate this to your parents and grandparents, like, Hey, I'm feeling this energy. Or did you just think it was part of daily life? I really wasn't sure what it was. Um, but fortunately my mom, um, she had uh, an affinity to psychics to psychics and so growing up she would take me for readings she'd get a reading i'd get a reading and so that really opened the door uh to the metaphysical world and when i was in high school we went to a medium for the first time and i had no idea what a, what a medium was and so the difference between a psychic and a medium is um a psychic is someone who reads your energy um, tunes into your life, um, whereas a medium connects with a discarnate being, so a third person in the spirit world, bringing through messages um, and evidence of their afterlife survival. Uh, so went to a medium for the first time uh, in high school, and she said, during the reading, she said, you know you're a medium. And at that point, I wasn't sure about that. I just knew I was a scared child. <laughs> um, and so then kind of fast forward, um, really, I mean, I was always interested in, um, in, in all the metaphysical topics, you know, reincarnation and, um, and um, intuition and all of that. So I always had an interest in it, but I never actually thought that I could, I had the ability. So Um, just not to cut you off there, but what was it about the feeling that that psychic had that made her say that? Did you ever try to get her to clarify or just kind of explain herself more? 
it was a one-time visit and it was just to, you know a, a door she opened a door to possibility oh. <laughs> and so um it really wasn't until um later in life when my mom was really you know not feeling well she had congestive heart failure but she was still doing okay um two weeks before my mom passed um, my grandma came to me from the spirit world and my grandma had been gone for a good 20 25 years and so this is in daytime uh this is in my bedroom and um and uh, i'm just walking toward the closet and i met by my grandma and she has a man with her who I don't recognize. So you're in um, daytime, just to back it up a little bit, because this is so exciting. So you're seeing your grandma, because <laughs> this is like your first big kind of confirmation experience, yeah. because you've had these yeah. feelings. But now are you, I just want to clarify, are you visibly seeing your grandmother at that point? Yes, yes. So you're visibly um, seeing her, is she transparent or is it as if, you know, a, a person is in the room? Yeah, more, no, more like transparent and also um, feeling her as well. So we all carry an energy signature, right? Right. So if you're in the room and let's say somebody comes into your room and your back is towards the door, you can often feel who's entered your room just by their energy signature. And so a spirit person, you know, they maintain that energy signature or they can come back with that energy signature. And so I knew that was grandma. And um, I think she probably brought her, my grandfather, who I had never met. Um, he passed while um, my mom was pregnant with me. Um, so so was, there, there they are. So uh-huh. it was beyond the feeling, though. You could actually see the see features them. of yes. the face and the nose and the eyes. And it, it was not like a light being. Well, I mean, of course, we're all light beings. But this was like a light, like almost like a shadow. It was like it was like a translucent, um, kind of a translucent, uh, um, kind of outline oh. of grandma. Wow. And then of course your grandfather, who you said you never met, but of course they're together right. on the other side, still loving each other, which is something we right. all, you know, we're going to all look forward to once we graduate, we're going to reconnect with our past loved ones. So she's with this, this person. And how did that make you feel? Did, were you excited to see your grandfather? I just, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I, I didn't really identify him. I obviously knew my grandma right. and, um, and it happened so quickly, you know, it's not like it, you know, we're just, di- we're dissecting it right now, but it happened within seconds. Oh, um, wow. so it's already over by the time, you know, and we're still talking about meeting her, you know, the, <laughs> so it was just, so, <laughs> it was very quick. It was very unexpected. Um, and then she telepathically conveyed to me, I'm coming for your mom. Ooh, meaning and, that your mom is going to pass on to the other side very soon. Is that how you interpreted right, that? Right. Was that a hard message for you at that point? Uh, it was something I didn't want to believe, obviously. Um, and so I telepathically conveyed to her, not yet. I said, um, I said, I need my mom here longer. When you get her, you're going to have her for a very long time. So please let her stay here with me. Oh uh, and God. so that was our conversation with one another and poof, she was gone. And 
Um, but it was my grandma's way of compassionately coming um, to let me know that there was nothing I could do to um, change the destiny of my mom's um, passing. And, you know, it is affirming to know at least with that other side coming to communicate with you that you could see that she was going to a better place or a different place with at least your grandmother being there, your grandfather. But I do want to ask you, when you say telepathic communication, I know it's a feeling, right? But is it an audible voice when it's at that level? Is it like an inner voice or is it, or is it really just a feeling that you can completely interpret as language? It can be, it can be both, you know, but with this communication, it was more like getting a download. Um, that's probably the best way to. to. <laughs> well, we talk about that in a lot of the episodes that we have with that with people that take psychedelics and medicinal psychedelics. They go to these spiritual places and they get what they call downloads. So it's really interesting you have that same analogy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it was more of a feeling and a knowing rather than um, an actual, it, it wasn't a, you know, she wasn't audibly saying this. They no longer have their voice box. And so it was just, it's more of a knowing, a feeling, and this kind of telepathic, um, uh, you know, exchange um, between us. And, and again, um, you know, it's not uncommon for our loved ones to come and to try and warn us um, compassionately that um, someone's going to pass. Uh, on the other hand, you know, we have all this grief in our would-haves or could-haves or should-haves because two weeks later, my mom was getting ready to go to an appointment, which I was going to drive her to. And I was downstairs on the phone and I'm looking at the watch and I see that we're running late. So I run upstairs and I say, mom, mom, you know, we're late for the appointment. And that's when I found my mom passed out on the bathroom floor. Oh no. Oh my God. I'm so sorry you experienced that. But in a way, did you, do you feel like your grandmother's spirit psychically prepared you for that? Yes, I do. I mean, you know, it really nothing can prepare you for the death of a loved one, but um, she tried to. She tried to, and I think it actually helped later after getting through the shock of losing my mom. I think, you know, later on when you start thinking of the would-haves, the could-haves, the should-haves, if I only had taken my mom maybe to a different doctor, if we tried different medicine, or if I had been upstairs, you know, when she was first passing out, that somehow um, she'd still be alive with us. And so then remembering and going back to grandma's visit, it was, it was a reminder, no, this was her soul's decision to, to, to cross over at this time. And this had really nothing to do with you. And there's nothing that you could have done to change your mom's uh, trajectory uh, in transitioning. So from there, that's your big first experience. And it's very personal for you because not only did you communicate with your grandmother the circumstances of what she talked about was related to your mother and then of course it all came true which led to your mother going to the other side but from there right. that but that must have been huge because everything happened 
in the way that was told by the spirit. So then would you, did you start searching for more ways to communicate with the other side at that point? Yes. So, you know, um, the next day, um, around five o'clock in the morning, um, I was downstairs by our backyard um, and I was on the computer um, and I hear a knock <laughs> at the door and typically that would freak me out, but because we have a completely fenced in yard and nobody knocks on our back door, um, but I just knew it was my mom. And so I said, hi mom. And it was, you know, I feel like it was her way of letting letting me know that she's around, she's okay. And um, then we, you know, when we went to the viewing um, at the funeral home, I, I looked at my mom and I looked at her body and I thought, you know, this is a shell of a body. Where did this vivacious, loving, joyful person go? And that's really what began my journey of where, where's my mom? Where did she go? So then that sparked an interest in metaphysical things and that led to yes. starting to a scholarship in a way. You're just going to learn more in that direction. Yes. And, but then absolutely with your natural gifts, I'm sure they both amplified each other, right? The more you learned, the better your gifts got calibrated. You can say. More, sure. The more that you use um, your intuitive senses, the stronger they become, the more you trust, the more confidence you have, the more validation you receive. Uh, so definitely uh, it's very helpful. And um yeah, so it did. It propelled me on the spiritual quest, and uh, it really was, you know. I so I called psychics and mediums, and uh, you know, I had a a reading with uh, Sylvia Brown even um, the first week my mom passed, and um, my friend had a connection with her, and uh, and she said, you know, my friend said, what can I do? I said, well, I just I just want to see if I can connect to my mom, and so she got me the appointment with Sylvia. Um, but unfortunately during the appointment, um, Sylvia said, well, you know, it's too soon to connect your mom. She's just been gone, you know, for a couple of weeks or a week. And so at that point, I didn't know, um, whether that was true or not, but now as a medium, that's absolutely not true. Um, you can connect with your loved ones, you know, seconds after they pass, you can connect with your loved ones when they're in a coma, um, even when they have Alzheimer's or dementia, um, you can connect with them on um, uh, as well. So, why do you think she had any... that perspective? Sorry to uh, interrupt there, but why do you think she sure. had that perspective? Um, just her belief system. <laughs> but you know, she so. dealt with all those spirits, and it seems like common sense. Like even if you're thinking of a spiritual being, it's like the second it leaves the body, it's, it's the complete spiritual being. Like, is there, it's not like there's a two week processing transfer station that before you can right. uh, interact <laughs> with the third dimension, you got to wait two weeks and get some things checked off and signatures. And, right. You know? <laughs> right. So, well, so I was out 800 bucks for that session and no connection with my mom. So, oh, geez. Yes. So, um, so uh, just really, you know, searching and it was about two years later that I went on a juice fast, a 10 day juice fast. 
And it was at that point that I had my first, you know, real clear communication with my mom. And my mom flooded me with feelings um, and a message to get to someone. And it was a message for um, the person she had. So the day that she died, she was going to an appointment and obviously she never made it to the appointment. And she, two years later, is flooding me with a message to call this lady and congratulate her. And so my mom had been friends with this uh, this lady for all of her firsts. The first time she opened her practice, the first time she got married, the first house that she bought. And so when I called her, and her name was Alexandra Powell, and when I called her, uh, first of all, it took my mom three days to convince me that I was definitely gonna call her um, because I'm like, no, I'm not calling her and telling her I heard from a dead person. I'm not doing that. Um, but each day my mom persisted. And so finally on the third day, I said, okay, I'll call her. And I had to go look up her number. And when I called her to congratulate her, she said, you know, that sounds just like your mom. I'm having a baby. And there my mom was wanting to be there for another first wow. um, and not miss it. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely astounding. So then that hits you even harder, right? Because you're going through Absolutely. this juice fast. You've, and there must be something about that physically, right? There's something that when you purge the toxins that every human being eats in our diet and you purge these things and you do these fasts or other techniques in order to clear yourself, you're then mm -hmm. more psychically potent. You're more powerful, you could say. And, yes. and you're, yes, you have more energy and you have more energy that you're able to use in that communication as well. So what does that say for people that are psychic and intuitive by nature that they should try to lead the healthiest lifestyle they possibly could if they want to enhance their abilities? Right, right. Um, I have noticed, yeah, I've noticed the connection is definitely more clear um, when you're eating more clean. So then, you know, you're doing that and you connect with your mom and now you're fired up, right? Because she calls the friend, yes. the friend's pregnant. Obviously this information is outside of the third dimension. It's outside time, wherever your mom is, she's able to almost like a video game. It's almost probably funny to her, right? Like, it's like, aha, yeah. I can tell you all about this pregnant person across the country. You have no idea. Right. You know, it's, it's almost funny, but were you then fired up and you're like, okay, I'm going to develop yes. this more. And how did you expand yes. on that training? What was the next step? Yeah. So I was like, okay, mom, bring it on. I'm ready. I, I can do this. Uh, so, you know, basically um, training here in the U S there's a place called Lilydale um, in upstate New York. And it's a little town of mediums. Um, and it's been around for over a hundred years. So there, and it's open. everyone there is a medium you're saying. Um, so there are some people who are healers and some people who, um, you know, live there and are spiritualists, but the, um, the ones who do readings, there's, you know, probably about 30 or 40 mediums that live there. Wow. I wonder if our mm -hmm. listeners in New York, if they've never been there, they should definitely go. Right. It's about an hour away from Buffalo. And 
Uh, it's, you know, obviously not during COVID time, but yeah. during, um, <laughs> during the summers, it opens for about three months. And so I began taking classes. I spent time there during the summer and, you know, then um, taking classes other places. Um, also went over to the UK and there is a college called the Arthur Finley College. And um, that's uh, a real life Hogwarts where um, they have teachers that help you develop your intuition and mediumistic abilities. Um, and now uh, I teach my own classes. Wow. So you also have been doing readings, I'm sure, helping people connect with people on the other side. What are your right. thoughts about these spirits? Like, how can you distinguish a spirit besides the feeling? Is there a way to determine when a spirit's in the room or is it really just the feeling? Um, sometimes you may see them. Um, so sometimes you might hear them. Uh, and, um, you know, or you get the, or you get a feeling or a knowing, sometimes you might smell, um, for example, you know, our loved ones leave all different types of signs to let us know that they're around. And so, you know, if you had a father who smoked a pipe, then sometimes you may smell a whiff of tobacco and that's dad coming through, letting you know that he is right there with you. Or um, if you had a grandma or a grandpa with mothballs, you know, sometimes you might get a whiff of that or, <laughs> a, a <laughs> or a special scent of perfume. Um, I've smelled mints before. So a smoker who then um, constantly then puts mints in their mouth. And so um, that smells come through. So really they'll utilize um, any and all of our senses to come through. So how do you determine though, that it's a human spirit? Because so many people talk about angels. They talk about if on the lower side, demons. And some people just say there's entities and they don't really put a name on it, but they say there's entities living in these other dimensions, potentially where these, the spirits of these dead people are. How can you tell the difference between a human and, and something that's non-human? That's a really good question. Uh, I, I, my intention and my focus is only on departed loved ones. So um, occasionally I'll run into angels, <laughs> spirit guides, um, but mainly, you know, my compass is looking for, you know, grandma or grandpa or uncle or brother or husband. Um, so my, my GPS is not looking for, you know, um, other entities out there. Well, well what happens though when an angel or spirit guide comes in, do they, do they try to sure. get your attention and then you're like, Oh wait, that you're not what I'm looking for, but well, you know, could you please call someone else well, or how does that, how do you notice that? <laughs> you know, the spirit world is in the universe is very intelligent. Um, and so if an angel comes in, they're coming in for a reason. Um, maybe they're coming in because the person has a special connection to angels. Um, or maybe they need some healing or maybe they need a message from an angel and that resonates for them. So uh, they'll come in from the spirit world. However, you know, however we can best take them. Are there situations where sometimes you're looking for a deceased one, but like you said, the angel comes in, but the angel needed to come in, or is it a time when an angel came in, but they weren't what that person needed. They needed the deceased person. Has that ever happened? 
Um, it's usually what's what the need is. Okay, I so, see. So and and I really yeah, and I really you know most times it's departed loved ones that will come. I would mean for me it's like ninety I don't know eight percent of the time it's departed loved ones. But if someone wants to connect with their angels, well then you set your intention and you open up that way and you invite the angels to come in, and then it would be more of a reading with angels. Or if you want to connect with um, if someone wants to connect with their guides, then you set your intention and you, you know, focus your awareness on their spirit guides, their spirit team. So do you think that as humans, when we cross over to the other side, part of our existence once we're there is taking on the responsibility of guiding our family members? It, it can be. So I know that my grandmother and my mom both sit on my celestial team along with other guides that I've never met or guides that I've maybe met in other lifetimes. Um, so absolutely your departed loved ones can um, become a spirit guide of yours. But do you think that's kind of the modus operandi or just like how things work over there um, based on what you've you know intuited over the years? Yeah, I think it just really depends on the relationship. Um, so, you know, obviously, if you've had a really rocky relationship with dad, and there's been abuse and this and that, you know, more than likely, he's not going to be sitting on your spirit team, you know, you because you don't, you know, you wouldn't want that. Um, and so there's just but that doesn't mean he's not going to try to come forward in a reading session, because he's going to want to help with the healing and, um, you know, apologize. Um, a lot of times they'll come and they're like tails between their legs. And, you know, I got these dads hunched over tail between the legs. And, you know, you know that they've done something inappropriate or wrong uh, here in life. And they're, you know, whether it wasn't spending enough time with their child or, you know, getting remarried and going off with that family or, you know, having an addiction or whatever, you know, they do come back to apologize. Right. So because they're over there and they see the summation of whatever negative things they've done, the abuse or whatever, and they, they want to make amends even on the other side. They do. That's mm -hmm. really interesting. So when you're doing these readings and you're connecting with deceased loved ones and people that are on the other side and you're doing it, I don't want to say in bulk, but, you know, as a practice, do you ever notice themes that start to develop in the messages that the departed ones give to the client? Absolutely. What are some of the Absolutely. themes that you've noticed and, and how did you feel about it? Well, I mean, with with themes, a, a lot of times, you know, they'll come in, you know, maybe there'll be um, a series of people who completed suicide and you, you have, you know, three or four readings that come through that way. Um, and, um, you know, so in that way, there is a theme in way of passing or uh, let me just think what else, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm just trying to come think sure, of a sure. couple of other examples for you. But do you ever um, feel like that that's like a message, like a bigger message in itself when those themes start to develop? Or do you just, do you feel like it's just kind of a strange correlation? No, I do feel like there's a bigger message. And I also feel like um, it's a message for the medium so, uh, oftentimes as well. You know, when you get these themes, um, there's, you know, we're, we're always 
part of this whole equation too. So um, maybe there's, you know, dads and forgiveness. And so, okay, Allison, you know, time to, time to forgive somebody. Uh, so that, you know, that could happen. Um, you know, I think that with spirit coming through some of the main things they want their loved ones to know are um, oftentimes, you know, um, we're here and we have to make that difficult decision of pulling the plug for a loved one. And so, you know, I have clients that wonder if they did the right thing and time and time again, their loved one is like, look, I was already outside of my body. I was up in the corner of the ceiling and watching everything. Um, you had, there was no choice because I was no longer, you know, um, uh, in there. And so you did do the right thing. So that's, you know, one, one thing. And then a, another kind of theme that comes through from the spirit world is no one dies alone. So even if someone was physically alone, when they died, um, what they're saying is that their spirit loved ones, their guides, their angels were there to greet them the second that they transitioned out of their body. And so they were already there waiting for them um, when this happened. And so a lot of times people worry, you know, that someone died alone and how sad it was, but they were never alone. They were always surrounded by loving, unconditional beings. Well, that's very comforting for people that have had loved ones that maybe passed by themselves alone. Maybe they got stuck in traffic or something and they couldn't make it to mom's passing or there's so many situations, nursing homes, right. things like that. And it's so comforting to know that their angels, which we all have our angels and we can talk about that. Our angels, our ancestors, those guides are all there right at the moment of passing. Right. And you're aware of that when you go. Absolutely. So yes. Have you ever had a visual when a spirit passes, have you ever seen light have you ever been around people that have passed on at the moment they died i have not okay um but i do have a friend who's a hospice worker and she does that every day um oh, wow. so maybe you'll want her on your show hey, next. <laughs> <laughs> you know you guys are all amazing you actually referred natalie lucia anderson who is an incredible <laughs> guest we had an incredible episode if you're a friend of Natalie's, I'm sure you're equally as amazing. And that's why we're all together. We're all amazing people. The listeners, you, everybody out there, we're all such beautiful, wonderful people. And we have such an incredible destiny. And we're just here sharing this experience, sharing these stories with each other. Okay. So after all these, uh, you know, readings, connecting with the deceased, does it ever get draining where you feel like just taxed? And what kind of energy drain is it? Is it like a psychic energy drain, physical? What are your thoughts on that? Um, it can go either way. I mean, it can be really uplifting and energizing and, uh, you know, just just knowing that you've provided some peace and comfort for somebody um, is really heart fulfilling. Uh, so, but of course, you know, if like with everything, if you um, do too much um, and you don't balance your life and give yourself a break and go out into nature and breathe, um, then it can become taxing, but that's, I think that's with everything too. Um, I just wanted to also, I'm sorry, you have some recharge techniques that you do like going out in nature. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I think, you know, walking in nature, nature is very healing. Um, going into the ocean, if you live near the ocean, um, if you don't live in the ocean, filling up your bathtub with Epsom salts and taking an Epsom salt bath. Uh, so those can laughter, um, putting on a comedy uh, and laughing um, is, is, is very energetically cleansing and healing. Um, that's why they have laughter yoga. Um, that's a really, you know, fun way to, um, to move that energy around. Because you could be new. You could be a new medium. Maybe you're a new medium listening to this and you're realizing that, Hey, I'm feeling pretty drained after doing all these readings. You know, Allison's here to give you some of these techniques so you can do better. That's what we're all here. We're just teaching each other, trying to do better. And okay. So Allison, what right. What are your thoughts on spirit possession? Do you think that's possible? I mean, the deceased are on the other side. Can they possess people? Can other spirits possess people? What do you think about that? You know, it's an interesting question. I will never say never, but, um, you know, I'm open to all possibilities. But with that, I say um, that's not within my experience and that's not within my belief system. Um, spirit, you know, they don't need a body to, to do what they do. Um, they're very successful in, in, um, you know, living on, um, without the need for human body. Um, you'll read on uh, near death, uh, experiences and, um, when they're in the spirit world, they're so happy and joyous. And then when they have to come back into their body, like it's frustrating and it's they're angry, you know, being squished back into this broken body. And so, um, you know, I would say my belief system is that um, spirit doesn't need a body, you know, spirit. Um, there's just no reason for them um, to have a body. And they, you know, when we connect with them, they don't come into our body. It's an energetic blending. They're blending their their energy, their energetic body with my energy. And so we're just kind of, you know, blending with each other. Or if you could imagine, you know, those cut out paper dolls where you cut out the little doll and you kind of just put it on um, the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the outline, um, that would be more like how spirit and a medium connect and blend interesting so, and i just want yeah and i just wanted to go back to your other point about you know people getting fatigued and drained um it's not you know in addition to those connecting to spirit empaths in general um you know who aren't even connecting to spirit but just walking around the malls or going to parties and picking up other people's energy you know that's a lot of us who are you know probably a lot of your listeners are you know, empaths. Oh, definitely. I I feel like personally I'm empathic. I have two daughters that are incredibly empathic and sons as well. I mean, it seems like the natural human state is to be empathic and you have to learn techniques to shield yourself from right. other people's energy. Yes, our listeners. I feel like if you're spiritually intuitive at all, that the empathic qualities kind of come right with it. It is. There's there's pros and cons of being a sensitive. So what you were saying about the mediumship before about how 
the interface is kind of like these energy fields laying on top of each other and commingling and then kind of mm-hmm. sharing information. What do you think about these other mediums then that claim that they take on the spirit and they start to audibly talk and, and sometimes with a funny voice or uh, I'm Eleanor or something like that. Would you say based on your experience that that type of mediumship isn't authentic? Okay. Well, that question um, is really interesting. Um, so I really don't have an opinion on trance um, at this point, um, which may be, you know, so that's called voices. trance mediumship. You're saying trance mediumship is, um, a form of mediumship where um, different spirits will, you know, the medium will start speaking like that spirit and maybe have some of those mannerisms. Um, my focus is really mental mediumship, so I really don't go into, um, you know, um, trance is just not something that, um, you know, I. Um, it's not. I fo- you know, it's not your practice. It's not my, it's not my practice. Yes. <laughs> and the jury's still out for you. It sounds like the jury's still out for you. The jury's still out for me on everything. I just like to keep an open mind and I'm not sure. Like it may be so, maybe not. I do kind of based on my own personal experience tend to lean towards what you're saying where the experience is like two energies laying on top of each other and then sharing information Mm -hmm. that way. My own personal experience, I think that that's the correct kind of authentic way, but you know, who's to say, I, I I haven't gone into a trance. It it could be that way. We're not, we're not sure. Right. And you know, and, and I have friends too, um, you know, really, you know, trance is, um, their way, you know, and that's, that that's something they resonate with. And so it's just not something that, um, I feel personally, um, that I'm, I'm, I'm being called or drawn to do. Right. So when you're doing these connections, have you ever had an experience where it felt scary for you, where you didn't like what the deceased person was doing, what the person was saying and what the energy that was coming through, like, was it ever like, you know, where you, you weren't comfortable with that? Has that ever happened? Not that I recall. Oh, um, good. <laughs> really, the spirit, <laughs> the spirit world is unconditional love. And, oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, you may have situations where, like, I've brought a gangster through before. Um, but he was, you know, really a gangster in life. And so he wanted to show who he was in life. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing, uh, harmful or scary. Um, just very loving. So you're saying when you connect with these deceased loved ones that these clients are asking you to connect with, it's never been a negative experience because when you're over there, it's a higher frequency of existence. It's all love. You wouldn't be over there if it wasn't love. So it, does that explain ghosts then? Are they, kind of entities that haven't gone to the other side? What do you, what are your thoughts on ghosts? Right. So, you know, I believe that sometimes people have these quote unquote scary experiences, not because they're there to scare, but because they don't understand the experience. And so, you know, maybe, maybe grandpa is kind of roaming around the house and, 
um, you know, something gets knocked over or, or noise is made. And that's really scary if you don't, <laughs> if, if you don't understand like what's going on, but it's just grandpa trying to get your attention. And once, you know, you have a medium or somebody who can, you know, connect and communicate um, and explain, you know, what's going on, then it becomes a lot less scary. Um, so, and ghosts, again, you know, that's really not my realm. Um, you know, okay. some people believe it's just residual energy. Other people, you know, really believe there are ghosts. And I just kind of, I just work with the dead people that are loved ones and uh, leave the rest alone. So have you ever had an experience then where a spirit has contacted you needing help to go to the other side, but wasn't necessarily a ghost? Uh, that's a good question. So again, there are different theories about that. You know, you hear these about these rescue circles and people who are, who are helping um, a spirit go to the light. Um, for me, uh, I don't think spirit needs the help. I think that um, I do think that, um, you know, you have this expanded consciousness and you intuitively, you know, are you're met by your loved ones, you're met by your guides, you're met by your angels, nobody's abandoned and lost and roaming around. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to come back and visit you um, and check in on you. Um, I feel my mom and grandma almost on a daily basis and they just kind of flutter by like a butterfly and I just say, hi mom, hi grandma. And you know, that's how we connect and communicate. Well, what you're saying is so comforting because you would think that the death process is a natural process full of love. You just had this, you know, for some people traumatic life on earth, <laughs> you know, right. and you're now on the other side. Why do you need to deal with more trauma, like being stuck or having to deal with hell or anything like that? It seems like the natural state, the natural process would be this graduation into these higher frequencies. And it's very comforting right. to hear you say that because there are a lot of people out there saying other things and it seems like right. mostly misinformation because it doesn't harmonize with love, right? Infinite love right. would say that what you're talking about as a post-death experience would be the true situation because it's the most loving, the most comforting. Right. And I mean, again, this has been my experience. Um, I, you know, um, I don't discount other people's experiences, um, but um, it just hasn't been part of, part of, my own experience. Okay. Well, we're talking about so many beautiful things and I just really appreciate you being here. This is so amazing, but you did bring up that you are part of a psychic investigative group. So what is that about? And what is that called? It's called psychic witness and we tune into unsolved and cold cases I also teach a psychic detective class called Becoming um, a Psychic Detective um, in Intuitive Investigation. And um, we'll get cases, um, you know, from families. Um, and, um, you know, I'm working on a case that I just sent off to police department. Uh, and so we will tune into the missing person or the unsolved case and provide the information that comes through. I worked on a case in Canada, um, a young 
um, woman was missing for several weeks and the family had no idea whether she was living or or departed and so when I tuned in it felt like she was alive um, which gave the family hope uh, to keep searching for her and then I also um, got an image clairvoyantly um, to check around the train stations that shares a connection with the train stations and so about five days later that's how they, that's where they started their searches five days later they found her in a train yard um, about six stops down and so was she um, still alive that, yes oh yes. thank god yes yeah that was a success story oh my goodness that's amazing was that one of the first cases and how many people are in this group it's a very small group um because we want to make sure that um you know really we have an a team tuning in so um we have about six or seven people um, and we'll I'll send out a case and I'll, and I'll say, here's this, this case that we have. Can you please tune in? And um, it's really interesting to see the similarities that um, people pick, you know, the, the mediums pick up and um, then also the differences as well. So wow. uh, sometimes again, you get conflicting an, information, you're saying? Yes. You do. I mean, everything filters through the mind of the medium. And so, you know, that's where uh, interpretation comes from. Uh, and yes, so sometimes motive will be different or the number of perpetrators might be different. Um, but we kind of, you know, take that all into consideration and see where, you know, some of the similarities in crossover is. Uh, and I've been working on a case, um, a cold case, um, that's been, well, it's not cold because they're still actively pursuing it, but an unsolved case um, that's been unsolved for about 10 years. And so um, we've, you know, we've actually had a chance to provide the police department with, um, you know, our tune-ins. And so hopefully, you know, we do feel like it's a solvable case. So hopefully, you know, I'll be able to talk about that more in detail you know, once they're able to apprehend, you know, the perpetrators. So when you set up this group, did you know that you're going to be working with these agencies? And do you also work with private individuals with, with psychic witness? Yeah, we mainly work with families. It'll be the family that will come to us. They have no other options. And so they'll ask us to tune in. Oh my God. Wow. So it's only after the families get you involved to then the other agencies, the police agencies then extend their, you know, whatever right. they're offering as well. Wow. That's really interesting. Right. And I am going to be, yeah, no, I am going to be teaching a psychic investigation course in April. So it'll be on my uh -oh. website. I'm pretty soon. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's quite a fascinating course, even if you're not interested in, you know, um, you know, uh, unsolved cases, we go over missing persons and pets and, um, and, um, a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of interesting techniques and tools and exercises. So do you have any other success stories that you'd like to share with the audience where you were contracted to find someone and they were found? Um, 
you know, unfortunately, most of the cases, they're already departed, and it's an unsolved, like, whodunit oh, case. Oh, wow. Yeah. There, there was one case where it was a missing girl. Um, she, her father reached out to me, um, and she was missing for a good four or five months. Um, and it turned out she ran away and, um, they, you know, it was interesting because I sent it off to our team and when somebody is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they're in a different state of consciousness. And sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, which side of life they're on. And so, our team was really split 50 50 um but she turned out to be um alive and she called her dad and they reunited and so um that was a happy story oh well i guess the circumstances are mostly kind of grievous when these people are looking for their murdered loved ones but yes it's good to hear another success story where the person was still alive did the streams ever cross where you know, you're contracted to look where the deceased person is and then the spirit of the deceased person kind of comes through to kind of talk to you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we'll connect in with the departed person. We'll connect in psychically. Uh, and so dreams, sometimes they'll come in. I just, last night I had you know, um, a really um, riveting dream that I feel is connected to this one case I'm working on. And so they'll come through in dreams. Um, and a lot of times they'll do that because they want to bring peace to their family. It's not like they want to get revenge on the person who killed them, but they they see how much their family is suffering and how their family is not living life to their fullest. And so they want to help bring closure um, so their family can continue. Interesting. That's really interesting. So is it expensive, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, is it expensive to do this? Do you guys do it volunteer or is it like a flat rate? How does that work? Yeah, so um, it's, you know, it's both. It's, um, you know, sometimes when people don't have the funds, we will take it on a pro bono basis. Um, other times it's a flat fee and it's not that expensive. It's just, um, a, you know, a flat fee because, you know, we're taking the, our oh, time course. and our energy. Yes, I mean, yeah. we all should be reciprocated for the energy that we put out. That's how this world works. I mean, <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's amazing that you're doing it though. And because there are people out there that just don't have the means that could use that help, you know, and they could contact you maybe about that. But you also have this incredible book on top of everything else, on top of everything else, you're a part of this incredible book and tell me the origins of this book. This book is called the last breath, true stories yes. of mediumship, the afterlife, and messages from heaven. First, let's talk about the origins of this book because it's not just from you. It's, you said it was from a collection of 48 mediums. Is that correct? Right. So 48 mediums from around the world. Uh, we each write a story uh, about 
um, the afterlife. Um, some people write about their near-death experience. Some people have written a story about meeting their guide. Uh, my story is about my mother, and I have an exercise in there on how you can connect um, with your loved ones. And that's in chapter 10 is my story. Oh, wow. Natalie's story. Natalie's story is in there. Um, there is a story of... Um, uh, signs, you know, there's a, several, a couple stories about getting signs from their loved ones. Um, there's a story um, where um, the medium actually stopped a random person and gave them a message from their departed wife because that person was the husband was contemplating ending his life oh and she just had this feeling that she needed to stop and talk to this man who was standing outside of the um i think it was like a cbs or walgreens um and that really changed the trajectory of his life um there's uh, stories of um, families losing their children. Um, I have one of my friends lost her son, and she so she talks about the signs that she gets from her son who passed away a couple years ago. Um, so there's all sorts of wonderful stories in this book, and there's something for everyone. Um, what's nice is that you can read a story at a time, and they're just kind of like Reader's Digest version um, of a metaphysical topic. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully everyone gets something out of it. Well, it looks really appealing, you know, and we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end of the show. But I just want to ask you, few more questions. We're creeping up on the hour mark. We usually go about an hour and 15, hour and a half, whatever you're feeling. But I want to get some more information out of you because everything you've shared with us has been so powerful and really amazing and actually really uh -huh. enlightening because a lot of it I haven't actually heard before. So I want to ask uh -huh. you, you know, dealing with these spirits, do you have a clear picture of whether there is a spiritual heaven or hell? Because so many cultures around the world are very fixated on the fact that once you pass on based on your behavior, your conduct, various things, depending on your religion, actually, and some things you can make up for depending on your religion, but they have these afterlife experiences where you go to this extremely positive place or this extremely negative place. And what are your thoughts about heaven and hell based on what you've experienced? So my experience is the spirit world has no judgment and it's us who judge ourselves. And so we may put ourselves in our own personal hell or, um, or, um, but basically our loved ones in spirit are, um, they do not judge us. Um, I don't believe the universe or God or life force, whatever you want to call that supreme intelligence. There's no judgment. It is unconditional love. And um, I know a lot of times um, spirit will come through, and this is another kind of universal message that spirit comes through with, where um, the, um, you know, the client will come to me and um, be, you know, is my dad mad at me? Is my mom mad at me? And of course they're not mad at you. They love you and they understand you. And they probably can they probably know you better than you know yourself um, because they're able to see all aspects and angles. And so um, 
nobody's mad in the spirit world. Nobody's mad any at anybody here. It's it's really love and acceptance and forgiveness. So why do religions have these kind of mechanisms in place? Is it really just about control? Because you're a medium, you're connecting with these spirits, and none of them have told you that they just got back from hell. And actually, they're really yeah. glad they're talking to you because they're in hell and there's nobody to talk to down there. You've never got those messages. So doesn't that really contradict most religions at this point? Well, my experience has, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist on some level of existence. Um, I also want to say, um, because you're bringing up hell, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, say that um, I have a publishing company and it's called Franklin Rose. Um, and I published a book by a lady who had a near-death experience. And in her experience, she did go to hell. Um, and it's called Misfit um, in Hell to Have an Expat. And she was on a ventilator, much like the COVID patients of these days. Um, she was on a ventilator for three weeks and in a coma. And it talks about her whole story of being in hell and how to get out of hell. Um, and so, um, you know, that would be maybe another person, maybe another person to, <laughs> to hey, talk near, to. I've been wanting to do a near-death experience episode. You'll have to refer me, actually. That that actually sounds amazing. But So then you don't want to invalidate her experience, right? Because it's very real to her. She she went to hell. She feel like she went to she hell. Went, but is it then a some sort of like spiritual construct that because of our guilt, because of our anger at our choices, that we create this reality called hell around us in that moment to punish ourselves? What what about that? Um, again, uh, it's it's it hasn't been my experience. It's like in <sighs> in my in my realm, there is no hell. Yeah, I'm not going there. There is no place to go. You know, I'm going where my mom and my grandma are. And, um, you know, and maybe it's also like you you are what you believe, you know. So for my father, he's a medical doctor. He's very scientifically oriented. And so if he can't touch it, test it, you know, um, or see it, it doesn't exist. And so, you know, for him, when he dies, he feels like it's going to be lights out six feet under. And I can just envision him down there in the hole, just kind of hanging out and be like, hi, dad, how's it going down there? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> wondering when he's going to leave. He's like, well, I'm waiting for the light. I, th I thought I was, yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> he, he might need one of those rescue circles. There you, you know? go. Hey, we were talking about that earlier. That could be a thing. <laughs> So, okay, so we yeah. talked about empaths, we talked about being a medium, but you also consider yourself an empath, right? Yes. So what are some Definitely. techniques as an empath that you recommend yes. to people for shielding? Because there's so much energy going sure. on right now. There's so many people, there's humanity. We're all so powerful in a lot of ways. We're reawakening to our potential, we're understanding more and more of this podcast is an expression of that, but that's happening all over the world. Millions and millions of people are growing and, and doing better, and there's all this energy. Some people are jealous, some people are happy, and it all pulls on the empath. So what are some of the shields that these Absolutely. empaths can do? What are some of these techniques? 
Uh, one is um, visualization techniques. So you can visualize a mirror going all around you, up and down, and just totally, you know, surrounding you. And any negative energy or any energy that isn't yours bounces off this mirror and goes back to its original source. So it never, ever penetrates into your energy field. So that's one uh, technique. Another one is to put a bubble of love around you. Uh, you can choose whatever color you want. Maybe it's a pink loving bubble that surrounds you. And again, only positive energy can can come through. And anything that's negative or angry or um, doesn't serve your highest purpose, it just kind of bounces lightly off your bubble of love and goes back to where it came from. So those are a couple visualization techniques. You can also set your intention before you go into, you know, where empaths have problems are in crowded areas, um, going into malls or parties or stadiums, you know, where there's lots of different energy flying this way or that, or going into work where you have an angry coworker and you are all fine, but all of a sudden you've got someone's headache. Um, so empaths, you know, very much take on other people's energy and then it, it negatively affects them. It makes them tired. It makes them um, irritable and it's not theirs. And so, so we talked about the techniques and intention and that just even setting your intention before you go into a place um, where, you know, you might get bombarded with energy. Um, set the intention that um, whatever energy is not mine will, you know, will not affect me. So you could even just say a little mantra too, um, just before you go into a place and just use your intention and boundaries are really important because it's self-preservation, preserving your energy so that, um, you know, it's not, it's not a going out to places that you you know, um, don't don't want it to to leak out to, and you're not taking on someone else's energy either. It's enough just, you know, um, taking care of yourself. Right. It's really important for people to take care of yourselves as it is, and being empathic and taking on other people's toxic energy. It can be draining. It can be detrimental to your physical health, even though it's this energetic experience. Another question I have about your mediumship. Have you ever had uh, deceased loved ones or spirits give you messages about what life is like on the other side? Like, or any messages directly about that dimension specifically? So most of the times it's in a, a session with a client and most of the times um, they're doing something over in the spirit world that they enjoyed doing over here. So if they enjoyed, you know, planting flowers there, they say, I'm planting my garden over here. And um, I'm sure they're doing other things in addition to that. I'm sure that there are things beyond our comprehension, beyond what our human brain can even um, fathom that um, those in spirit are doing. You know, some say, like, um, there's, a, I have a friend who passed violently. He was beaten up um, and uh, he was young um, and passed. And so for him, he helps other souls 
who have died in violent matters and kind of, you know, getting back in use to the spirit world. Um, so that's one of the things that he says he does. Um, so have there ever been a message though, that was kind of for the people that were still alive, maybe not necessarily for the individual person, but maybe a message like, not just like, okay, tell my son that I love them, but tell humanity that they have to make this certain thing happen by this certain time or something to that effect, if you know what I mean. Right. So um, when, when doing um, private mediumship readings, that doesn't usually, that doesn't come through. It's, it's really messages for the people here, but if someone's doing inspirational speaking or trance and it's in front of a large group, um, that's when those, you know, kind of humanitarian messages um, come through. Interesting. Okay. So I, I was just curious because I thought maybe they were like, well, while we're here, you know, the angels want you to know that uh, this or this is going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, our loved ones come through and they do want to guide us. They do give us specific messages, but um you know, it hasn't in my experience where they come through and give like, you know, universal, um, a universal message. You know, I just had to check, but Allison, I'm so thankful that you've been on this podcast. I really appreciate it. If people want to learn more about what Allison's about, you can go to spiritcommunication.com, spiritcommunication.com. And she has psychic readings that you can do with her direct readings, 30 minute, 60 minute readings. There's also classes that Allison teaches. And of course that incredible book. And there's the psychic investigations class that's coming up in April. If you're interested in any of those things, which I'm sure you are, if you listen to this podcast, it's been an incredible podcast. If you've been engrossed by what we've been talking about, go to these places Check these things out. Check out Allison. Allison, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> it was wonderful. And thank you for all that you do. You know, you're really making a difference in this world. And so are you. And so are all of us because that's kind of our role. We're leaders. We're teachers. We're putting out this positive energy in order to make the world a better place. I believe humanity is moving towards a heaven on earth, conflict-free scenario where we're all there with the technology, the spirituality, all of us together united, we just have to get there. And this is part of the process. That's, that's kind of what I believe. Absolutely. But uh, hold on the line and I'm going to hit the outro music and I'm going to keep talking to you and everybody we will see you next week. Midnight on earth y'all. <laughs>